Hi, and welcome to this mini-series for Back to School. I'm Amy, and today's episode is all about journeys. is nearly over and it's time to start looking ahead to the new school year. As I said, the theme for this episode is journeys. Everybody's journey is unique and what we discover and learn on these journeys plays a bigger part in where we eventually end up, probably more so than what we think. Today, we listen to Rich. Now, Rich is a teacher turned senior leader, living and working in the Isle of Man. In his words, his teaching journey, well, hasn't been normal. He was due to join the army as an officer, but wait, why am I telling you this? Rich can tell it better himself. So I moved to the Isle of Wight in 2001, straight from university. Um, and my plans were just to stay and do my NQT year. And then I was um, actually due to go into the army to be an officer um, at Sandhurst. Um, but I injured myself playing rugby. Um, and so um, I took a year out and went and travelled and got my head around things. And then decided to come back to teaching and, um, and took a sort of permanent job back in the, the original school that I'd done my NQT year in. Um, and I stayed there for about another seven or eight years. Um, and that was a middle school, which was really interesting to teach in because um, it was year five, six, seven and eight. So I trained as primary, but I ended up teaching a little bit of the first two years of secondary as well. So it was an interesting sort of um, age and, and, and school set up on the Isle of Wight. Um, they closed all the middle schools in about 2011. Um, so I moved to a primary school um, and worked there for a couple of years on a sort of temporary contract while everybody found their places and they reorganised the schools and opened new schools. Um, and then, yeah, I've moved schools a couple of times since then. Um, I've been working my way up. I was acting deputy head for a while. I've been a senior leader in a couple of schools. Um, and yet yeah, I'm just about to start in September um, as deputy head um, of a, a big primary school on the Isle of Wight. As I said earlier, teaching is a really rewarding career. Otherwise, why would it attract so many good people? And these rewards don't come in the form of presents or even money, but in pride. So we asked Rich what his proudest moment was. Oh, wow. Um... Oh, I've had, I'm moving out of teaching into a non-teaching deputy role. Those children come in, in you know, as, as primary children, and but, but leave ready to move to high school, which is such a big, such a big jump for them at sort of 11 years old. Um, and some of them, you know, come in at the start of the year and you think, oh, you've got to go to high school, <laughs> you know, you're going to be starting high school in a year's time. How are we ever going to get you to be? confident or ready or independent and things like that and and to manage that and see that and, and help that happen is, is really nice. 
I think it can go sort of one of two ways. Um, I'm just thinking of the class that I've just had. And there were times when it went right where I sort of felt like I didn't need to be there anymore. You know, that you, you, you started them off on something and they were all inspired or engaged and they had their, you know, their heads down working or they had their computers and they were looking stuff up and they were off on their own projects or finding out stuff and, and sort of you were there to facilitate rather than just sort of teach and talk. And then there's other times where it's felt really successful because of the amount of questions you get asked, which has, you know, shown that they're interested in what you're talking about and they want to know more. So it's either really noisy or really quiet in my experience. I think those are the two best times in a classroom. But why do people become teachers? And what type of people make really great teachers? A lot of the time, People find that teaching is a really rewarding career and it's not short of advantages or disadvantages at times. When I was applying for universities, I actually wanted to study English literature, like many of my family. And my counsellor at college actually told me that, you know, you need some volunteering work. It's going to look really great on an application. Plus, it's a really good thing to do. So coming from a small village... I was quite limited on volunteering opportunities, but there was a local primary school, a really small one, and I rang up and I asked if I could volunteer. And from when I went in that school, everything about it, from working with the children to creating amazing resources and really fun displays, I just completely fell in love with it. And I'd made my mind up, I was going to be a teacher. But the point of that is that my journey didn't start in a conventional way, and neither did Richard's. I don't think my teaching journey's been normal. It's been it's sort of been short spells in lots of different places. Um, and I know some people like to stick with what they know, but I like a bit of variety, and I've liked working in different schools in different places with different catchment areas. Um, in all sorts of Ofsted categories, from special measures to outstanding. You know, I've, I've been in, involved in inspections at both ends of the spectrum as well. So I think it's been, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a way of, of explaining that in a sentence. But yeah, um, it's I've had, you know, six schools, seven schools in, in 20 years. It's quite a lot of schools for people. I don't know, variety is the spice of life or something, something like that. You know, it, that's been my career has been, you know, lots of different experiences and lots of different schools. But I think I've learned a lot from from that. And that's not saying that people who stay in one school haven't learned a lot from, you know, being in that one school. But for me, I felt it's um, it's better to gain experience in different places with different expectations and different um pupils and different responsibilities and different roles as well so so that's been quite important for me to to move around a bit to sort of move on in my my career I think it can go sort of one of two ways um, I'm just thinking of the class that I've just had and there were times when it went right where I sort of felt like I didn't need to be there anymore you know that you you you'd started them off on something and they were all inspired or engaged and they had their you know their heads down working or they had their computers and they were looking stuff up and they were off on their own projects or finding out stuff and and sort of you were there to facilitate rather than just sort of teach and talk and then there's other times where it's felt really successful because of the amount of questions you get asked 
which has you know shown that they're interested in what you're talking about and they want to know more. So it's either really noisy or really quiet in my experience. I think those are the two best times in a classroom. Those children come in in you know as as primary children and but but leave ready to move to high school, which is such a big such a big jump for them at sort of 11 years old um, and some of them you know come in at the start of the year and you think oh, you've got to go to high school again. you know you're going to be starting high school in a year's time how are we ever going to get you to be confident or ready or independent and things like that and and to manage that and see that and, and help that happen is, is really nice. So you've talked a little bit about why it's so rewarding to be a teacher and some of the best bits but what are some of the challenges? And they can sometimes appear more obvious, sometimes a little bit more discreet. I think as a year six teacher, the challenge is always on assessment and results and things like that. So that's always a constant. Um, and it's trying to find that balance of keeping the people who want the data to look good happy, as well as actually managing the to keep the children happy and and looking at school as being more than just academic results um, I feel really strongly about the need for teaching children more than just reading writing and, and maths I think there's the real need to teach them about being good um, people and being kind and having responsibilities and knowing about especially on the Isle of Wight knowing about um, the world outside of their little bubble and area um, there's a real problem on the island with um, sort of lack of aspiration and lack of mobility and and um, children not having experiences that they would get if they were in a mainland school because of the nature of the island and how difficult it is to, to do things. So, you know, we've got children on the island who've never been off the island. They haven't been on the mainland. They haven't, you know, experienced big city London or, you know, being off the Isle of Wight and seeing you know, maybe a more multicultural and diverse society because they're limited in what they see around them here. Lots of people in education talk about finding that ultimate, that's right, the work-life balance. Is it ever achievable? But surely it's important that we can find a few minutes a day to do something just for us. And we're now going to hear what Rich really likes to do in his spare time. I... I try not to get involved in too much sort of formal CPD. I don't think, um, but I, I do. I read. I read an awful lot. Um, I, I started a website last year um, in lockdown doing children's book reviews. Um, so I started that off, and that's gone really well. And I suppose that was the whole reason I joined Twitter because my my Twitter read name is, is Rich Read a Lot, mm. and I, I joined it basically just to be involved in books and talking about children's literature because English and, and children's books was a real passion of mine right the way from from when I was a reader myself at sort of primary age the whole way through. I've always loved reading, always loved books. Um, so that's gone really, really well. Um, so I'm carrying on sort of reading books and being involved in some work with authors and book launches. And I suppose in a way that is professional development for me because the books that I read are all books that would be aimed at a primary school audience. So I'll be able to go into school and recommend them and and share some of the books that I've been sent with classrooms and in assemblies. So in my head, when I'm reading the children's books, I'm always thinking, 
how could I use that in school or could I do that or what lesson or what year group would that be really good with or what topics that a good book for and and things like that as well so lots and lots of reading I think of, of all sorts as well so that's my real switch off but yeah. I've got two um I've got two children so I've got a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old so um spending time with them and keeping busy with them is, is important as well so we've been doing lots of beach trips and uh we went back to Ireland to visit family last week which was lovely as well so family time and reading there's a book called October October which I really like by by um uh, an author called Katja Balin um and it's not specifically about transition to school it's about a girl who's been brought up um by her dad living off grid in the woods and her circumstances change because her dad gets injured and he can't look after her anymore. And she has to go and live with her mum, who more or less sort of abandoned her when she was younger. And it's all about how she adapts and how she faces to that change in circumstances. And she has to start at a new school and she doesn't fit in because she's never been formally schooled before. Um, and it's a really, really good book. It's it's not specifically about moving high school to, to sort of year six to year seven, but it's about a complete change in circumstances and... Um, and what's beautiful about the book is it's really nicely written. Um, so the descriptions of the wildlife and of the the woodland that she lives in to start with are amazing. Um, but it's how the character changes the whole way through the book is really, really clever. Um, she starts off when she the 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 character's called October, and when she when she has to move and, and live with her mum, she refuses to call her call her mum mum because she's so sort of um traumatized by what happened in the past so she calls her the woman who says she's my mum so that's what she calls her the whole way through but by the end of the book she's gradually starting to to see the relationship and, and that develop um and she settles in more at school and she makes a new friend and all that type of thing so yeah that's a really nice book I think as well there is something that I heard recently that I've never actually heard before something called teacher guilt So imagine this, that you have finished in July, at the end of July, and you've got to get your things to go home from a really tough year. You have a feeling of pride, but also you're a little bit exhausted. Well, really exhausted, actually. And you already start to see people decorating their classrooms for the new term, tidying up, getting organised. And that's teacher guilt that pulls people back and you start to feel like should I be doing that well what if I don't do it will I worry about it all summer maybe and that's teacher guilt so what are Rich's top tips for dealing with work before you go back after summer I try to sort of bookends of the summer if that makes sense so I'll probably try and do a couple of days work in the first week tidying up and getting things organized and either finishing stuff off or or getting a few bits and pieces ready and then try and have the middle chunk of the summer completely work free and then for me I need to start getting my head back into what's going to happen in that last week of term so probably a couple of days in that last week 
starting to think about going into school maybe for the day and getting everything ready. And I don't think there's anything worse than sort of turning up on the first day and not knowing because it, it's stressful enough for everybody going back after the summer holidays. So in my head, I always needed to be organised and have that really well structured and planned. Um, I, I always start with a, a short book or a picture book or something um, to come into the school with that I can read really quickly on the first day and get the children interested in and then do lots of work on the back of that as well. So Oliver Jeffers, um, and he's done a couple of really nice books recently, um, one called Here We Are that's all about planet Earth and looking after it mm -hmm. um, and some other books, um, Lost and Found and, and things like that as well that are really nice. They've got nice messages about looking after each other. So there's lots of sort of PSHE and new starts and making friends and thinking about who you are and where you are and how you're going to behave and, and that type of thing in them as well. So they're quite nice to, to, to use to get back into things. I think that the hardest part for me is always judging where to how to start with a new class that don't know you and you don't know them after six, five, six weeks of them having had maybe not as much structure. And it's it's making sure that you come back in and set your expectations at the start of the year um, rather than sort of, I think it's always good to go in and just be really consistent. So don't go back thinking, oh, they've had four or five weeks off. Let's have an easy start. Um, I'm not saying go in and I hate that, that someone said that to me at teacher training college, don't smile till Christmas. And I think that's an awful, <laughs> awful thing to, to say, you know, um, the, the children are probably just as stressed and just as scared and just as nervous and worried and just as probably not happy about having to end the summer holidays as you are. So, you know, you don't need to make it horrible for them, but I think it's not fair to come back. Um, and and be different to how you're going to expect them to be for the rest of the year. So I think having really clear expectations about um, classroom routines and behaviour and expectations, and actually that can be a really good activity to do in the first week, is, you know, revise all those and get the children to make their own, I don't whether you want to call it class rules or a class charter or a class promise or however you want to do it, but, but things like that. To, and, and when you get the children involved in doing that as well, it's more powerful because you can always say, hold on, we talked about this and you said you know you need to do this or you were going to do this so you're choosing not to do it you know and then you can open that discussion up about behavior and expectations again just being welcoming letting the children you know come back in and and, and realizing and being kind I, I keep i say that word a lot i really like that kindness and, that and things like that but you know knowing that it's it's the end of their summer holidays and they're probably anxious about coming back so no maybe not coming straight into your first day of this is what it's going to be like, but but knowing that and setting out that that it's it's only fair to be consistent for them and have those expectations. Yeah, I think activities that let the children show you who they are uh, and show them a bit about you as well are quite important. So um, we've done things before in class where they they've drawn round their hand and they've written something on each finger that they'd really like me to know. So it might be their favourite book, their pet's name what they want to be when they're older. You can come up with all sorts of things. And then we've had those hands as sort of, you know, wish when you go around and you shake hands with people. So they had they cut them out and they go around and everybody looks at everybody else's hands to see what they've said and things like that. So activities like icebreaker activities, I think are really important as well. Um, most looking forward to, it, it's a far bigger school than I'm used to. So um, I think it'll be getting to know lots of other people. Um, I think they're a very forward-looking school. Um, I've gone from a very small school 
um, was sort of one form entry to, to quite a big school with almost double the number of pupils um, in one of the bigger towns on the island. Um, so there's a lot more staff, but that means there's a lot more opportunity for doing things. And, and, and this school seems to put a lot of effort into other activities and um, they're involved in festivals and uh, music things and, and other things that maybe a small school didn't have the chance to because we didn't have the numbers of children to sort of facilitate things like that as well. So just new opportunities and new ways of working, I think. But um, again, I, I think I'm going to miss the teaching in the classroom. I think I'm going to find myself sort of not knowing what to do for a while. But um, I'm not under any doubts that the new head teacher I'm working for has got um, big plans and will be finding things for me to do if, if I'm sat still for more than a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> you've been listening to rich rich we wish you the best of luck in your new role i'm sure the future and the journey you take will bring tons of opportunity and whilst we finish off i'd like to invite you to think about your journey where's it going to start and instead of wishing your time away Think about where you would like it to end and maybe even make small increments towards that. Thanks for listening to this episode, Journeys from the Back to School mini-series podcast. I'm Amy and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm.